0: The first scripture is from Isaiah chapter two verses three to five. Many people shall come and say, come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob that he may instruct us in his ways and we may walk in his paths. For from Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord.
1: Let love be sincere, hate what is evil, hold on to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, anticipate one another in showing honor. Do not grow slack in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, endure in affliction, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the holy ones. Exercise hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be concerned for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, on your part. Live at peace with all.
0: James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. (inaudible) Hermanos míos, ¿de qué aprovechará si alguno dice que tiene fe y no tiene obras? ¿Podrá la fe salvarle? Y si un hermano o una hermana están desnudos y tienen necesidad del mantenimiento de cada día, y alguno de nosotros les dice, vayan en paz, calientes y llenos, pero no les das las cosas que son necesarias para el cuerpo de que aprovecha. Así también la fe, Si no tiene obras, es muerta en sí misma.
1: What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? And so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead.
2: Today, we think about and pray for the church in Colombia. And as we do that, we are reminded of the church in Zimbabwe, in Palestine, in Iraq, and throughout the world. We are reminded that many of our sisters and brothers live in the presence of constant fear, poverty, and abuse. As people of faith, we know that it should not be so. We know that the kingdom of God has come and is coming. And we see evidence of the kingdom in the world and particularly in the church. As we think about Colombia, We could quite easily become filled with despair, but we remember the words of Isaiah, which Jesus just read, and we know that one day these words will ring true in Colombia. Can we recognize signs of the coming kingdom? This is not a message of despair, but rather one of hope hope that is rooted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And although it seems a bit audacious to talk about hope, in the face of what we hear and see in Colombia, as Christians, we must hold on to hope. The kingdom has come and is coming. This morning I would like to talk about what it means to be the church both in Colombia and here in the US. What is the role of the church and how is the church called to respond? I recently read a book by Stanley Harawas called The Peaceable Kingdom. And I was particularly intrigued by Harawas's chapter on the church. Harawas says that the primary responsibility of the church is not to bring peace and justice to the world, but rather it is to be the church. And in being the church, we help the world see itself as world. We are not called to redeem the world. The world has already been redeemed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Rather, our primary task as church is to remind the world that it is the world and to show the world what redemption looks like. Now, the distinction that Harawas makes between the world and the church is a simple one. He says that one Believes that it has been redeemed, and the other does not yet believe. The church is not higher than the world, nor does it exist in a separate reality. Harawas describes the church and the world as walking on a journey together. The church cannot abandon the world, for the world is God's good creation. And as Ron reminded us last week, God has called all things, including the world, to Himself. And the world needs the church to point it to the kingdom of God. If it wasn't for the church, how would the world recognize that it is, an act, it is not acting in the way it is called to act? And the church needs the world to remind it that justice and redemption, indeed even God's kingdom, is broader than the church. Harawas points out that we often find people outside of the church who exemplify God's goodness better than we do. And Harawas says not only should we look for those people, but we should insist that they exist because the existence of such people is proof that God is at work in the world, both through the church and outside of it. If we think the church is called to bring peace and justice to places like Colombia and Palestine, we can quickly lose hope. It seems a bit more attainable, although maybe only slightly, for us to be the church. And as church, we work for justice and peace. But it does not depend on us. And in fact, many of the activities with which we engage, engage, as outlined in our scripture readings in Romans and James, loving sincerely, exercising hospitality, persevering in prayer, feeding the poor, The world would not recognize these as acts of peace and justice. But we believe that God is using these small acts, the yeast and the bread, to bring justice to the world. God has already redeemed the world. The kingdom has come and is coming. So if the primary task of the church is to point the world toward the kingdom of God, then we know we need to know what the kingdom looks like. We see God's kingdom displayed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus shows us God's kingdom by rejecting the temptations of violence and coercion, by healing the sick, by befriending the woman at the well, by forgiving sins, by inviting the rich to become poor, by washing his disciples' feet, by breaking the bread, by dying on the cross, by defeating death. The kingdom of God is present when the meek inherit the earth, when the hungry are fed. The kingdom of God is evident in the story of the Good Samaritan, when we love not only those who love us, but also those who are perceived as our enemies. The kingdom of God is evident in the story of the widow's offering when we give everything that we have. We also see God's kingdom in the example of the early church. Acts four thirty-two to 35 says, Now the company of those who believed were of one heart and soul, And no one said that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to each as any had need. Reminding us that in the kingdom of God, we share our gifts and our resources with each other. And there is enough for everyone. We see evidence of the unity that is present in God's kingdom in Paul's letter to the church in Galatians. Galatians 3, 27, 28 says, For as many as you, as were baptized in Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So this, sisters and brothers, is what the kingdom of God looks like. And the primary task of the church is to point the world to God's kingdom? Maybe some idealistic notion of the church. Maybe a romantic movie version of the church. But our church, the Colombian church, the church that is made up of people like me and you, people who have a hard time resolving conflict among ourselves, let alone showing the world how to live together in peace. The church that continues to be dominated by men, the church, the most segregated aspect of our society. To put it bluntly, to speak of the church in this way, as a reflection of the kingdom of God as displayed in the life of Christ does not remind us of any church that we know. And as the world does not yet believe that it has been redeemed, so often it is with the church. We question whether redemption is possible. We are tempted to believe that security comes by force, that peace comes through violence, We have trouble imagining the unity that Paul speaks of in Galatians. And in fact, the arbitrary lines that the world uses to divide, lines of nation, gender, race, ethnicity, and sexual orientation, are also used by the church. We find it hard to imagine an economic system that does not rely on exploitation a system that ensures that everyone has enough to eat. We cling to our riches, questioning God's call to become poor. We don't always believe, as Isaiah tells us, that one day people will beat their swords into plowshares. We don't always believe, as Micah tells us, that one day every person will sit under his or her own fig tree, and that none shall make them afraid. But sisters and brothers, there are moments, there are moments when we do believe. There are glimmers of hope in the church. And this seems to be particularly true in areas where the church is surrounded by conflict. And such is the case in Colombia, In the middle of fierce violence and constant displacement, the Colombian church is creatively at work. The kingdom of God is evident in Colombia through organizations like Justapaz, the Christian Center for Justice, Peace, and Nonviolent Action, a ministry of the Colombian Mennonite Church. Justapaz has been documenting human rights abuses in Colombia for the past five years, sharing Stories of victims, stories such as this one. Victims, Camilo and Rosa of the Mennonite Church. Date, November 6, 2006. Location, Bogota. Alleged perpetrators, paramilitaries. 14-year-old Camilo is one of Rosa's eight children, Camilo was detained from November 7 to November 10 by alleged paramilitaries. They forced him into a taxi and asked him questions about his mom. They detained him, tied up his hands and feet, covered his mouth, shaved some of his hair, and verbally assaulted him. Throughout the interrogation, Camilo insisted that he was someone else, not the person they were looking for. He changed his name and that of his mother and in this way denied knowing anything about what they asked concerning Rosa. For her part, Rosa undertook an intense search for her son. He was found on November 10, alive in a small field in the northwest part of Bogota. Rosa and Camilo and the rest of their family have been forced into displacement many times. Rosa has been the target of harassment, death threats, and attempts on her life since running for city council in 2004 in Florencia and because of her affiliation with the community members movement there. The family and community, both in Coquita and Bogota, attributed the persecution to the military. By sharing these stories, Justapaz is reminding the world that the kingdom of God will not be ruled by fear and intimidation. And as part of this project, Justapaz is also documenting the glimmers of hope found within the Colombian church, more signs of the kingdom. And I'll read a brief excerpt from that documentation. Seeds of Hope. Many evangelical Christian churches throughout the country are working directly with the poorest people, or with the victims themselves in conflict zones. They have very few material resources, but each day achieve more than these resources would allow. Despite the magnitude of the humanitarian crisis they face, their work goes far beyond attending to emergent emergencies. These churches have had to develop a variety of initiatives to respond not only to the immediate and urgent realities of poverty and armed conflict, that directly affect their communities but also to the need for long-term solutions achieved through the conflict tra- transformation by considering peace to be an active and ongoing process rather than an ultimate goal the churches have been able to develop a sense of reconciliation that connects with the victims the communities and above all with reality more and more churches have directed their primary efforts to understanding the patterns of human relations that are being created and recreated in Colombia's violence. These patterns are profoundly shaped by nearly a half-century of armed conflict and, in turn, by even more remote historical precedents. While the great debates in national and governmental actions have focused on war, negotiations, and the right of those who possess weapons, the churches instead work to understand the victim. The churches see victims not only as the protagonists of the story, but as integral beings who possess human rights and material, social, cultural, and psychological interests that together form their well-being. This vision is reflected frequently in the actions and programs of the church, which, in addition to humanitarian work, offers support to victims in areas such as psychosocial recovery and legal advice. They also work to promote adequate grieving processes and aim in all of their actions to generate reconciliation, justice, a call to repentance, truth, reparations, and forgiveness. In the same way, they have developed processes to combat the hate and resentment victims can feel toward their victimizers. The work of the church can be a reference point for conflict resolution work in general, and it provides hope for sustainable, lasting peace. For that reason, the work of detecting, recognizing, learning about, and promoting those initiatives of the churches is imperative and urgent. Their work is generally conceived and carried out with little media coverage and happens far from the roar of the national stages of debate and the reach of government actions. And some of the stories that Justapaz has recorded of the church's work include a congregation in Bogota that started a justice and peace committee. And every Wednesday, people gather at the church to share their experiences of pain and suffering. They pray for peace, for their oppressors and for victims of the conflict. They eat together. The church provides a safe environment where healing and forgiveness can take place. These Wednesday evening meetings also include teaching on nonviolent action, on strategies to build peace and reconciliation, as they work to transform their communities that have been ravaged by violence. The Mennonite Brethren Church in Colombia has created a school of peace called EduPaz. EduPaz educates young people, families, churches, and communities in conflict resolution and nonviolence. Students serve as mediators among their peers and teachers, modeling a different way to resolve disputes. They are helping communities find alternatives to the violence that surrounds them. The Mennonite Brethren have also started a program called Food, Not Coca, where they offer economic alternatives to low-income farmers who otherwise may be lured into growing coca in the lucrative drug trade. Anabaptist leaders in Colombia are in dialogue with the, in the government guerrilla and paramilitary forces. They are courageously following God's call to love their enemies. In addition, church leaders in Colombia have written a peace and justice law, which outlines a framework for, pe- for a peace process that includes the demobilization of armed forces. The Colombian church uses this to advocate with government officials and as an education tool in their churches. There are many signs of hope in the Colombian church. Churches are providing safe havens for displaced people, supporting income generation projects, helping people return to their homes, caring for orphans of the conflict, speaking out against forced recruitment of children. This is dangerous work, and even documenting these stories is dangerous work. In June of last year, intruders broke into the Hustapa's office and stole computers that contained information on victims of violence, making them victims yet again. Despite this danger, the church in Colombia, which has endured the assassination of leaders, forced closings, continued displacement, is showing the world what it is called to be, pointing the way to the kingdom of God. There are signs of the kingdom in our own congregation. I remember one of the first services I attended here at East Chestnut Street. It was Maundy Thursday, and it was the first time I participated in foot washing. And I can still see the sparkle in Marlon Hershey's eyes as he carefully washed my feet. The kingdom of God is not initiated by acts of dominion, domination, but by humble acts of service. This week I watched the flurry of emails on the listserv as Katina Barton organized meals for the highs. The slots were quickly filled with people who were willing to share their resources, time, and gifts. Such is the kingdom of God. Amy Stewart frequently calls us as a church and as individuals to show our resistance to the lies of the world that tell us that war is necessary. She reminds us that we are citizens of God's kingdom, not the kingdom of the United States. The Monday evening meals served here at East Chestnut Street are a reminder that in God's kingdom, the hungry shall be fed. Our creation care committee, and no, this is not a shameless plug since I'm on that committee, reminds us that all things, including the physical world, have been reconciled to God. So we are called to be the church. Despite our unbelief and our shortcomings, we see the signs we see signs of the kingdom in the Colombian church and in our own church. But how are we called as Americans to be the church in response to what is happening in Colombia? Our Anabaptist ancestors would recognize the story of the church in Colombia as their own story, one of persecution and displacement. As prosperous people of the empire, have we lost our ability to connect with this story? In the last weeks and months, most of us filed our income tax return. The War Resisters League calculates that 36% of our income taxes go toward current military expenses. And as Rachel mentioned, we as Americans are directly linked to the conflict in Colombia since 2000, the U.S. government has given more than $5 billion, largely in the form of military aid to the government of Colombia. And this aid, known as Plan Colombia, continues to fuel the conflict and is failing to achieve its primary goal of cutting Colombia's cultivation, process, processing, and distribution of drugs. And in fact, more coca is being grown now in Colombia than when Plan Colombia began. How much of my tax money is being used to threaten, displace, and even kill people in Colombia? Currently, our president is pressuring Congress to pass the Colombian Free Trade Agreement, which could potentially cause more displacement and a greater disparity between the rich and poor while benefiting large Colombian and U.S. corporations. How do we respond as the church there was an article in the paper yesterday which reported that Americans will start receiving their rebate checks this week. we're being encouraged to spend that money to boost the economy. How do we respond as the church? In a letter from the Mennonite Church in Colombia to the church in the US, our sisters and brothers have asked us to respond. They have asked that we pray. They have asked that we learn more about the reality of the Colombian church and about how we, as Americans, are connected to that reality. Finally, they have asked that we be a public witness. During our community lifetime, Zach Kaufman will give us some suggestions on how we can respond to that call. Our sisters and brothers in Colombia are asking us to join their story do we have the creativity the will the motivation to answer their call are we willing to be the church would like to close with this reminder from the theologian NT Wright in God's new world of course Jesus himself will be the central figure that's why from the very beginning, the church has always spoken of his second coming. Though in terms of the overlap of heaven and earth, it would be more appropriate to speak, as some of the early Christians did, of the reappearing of Jesus. He is at the moment present with us, but hidden behind that invisible veil that keeps heaven and earth apart, and which we pierce in those moments such as prayer, the sacraments, the reading of scripture, and our work with the poor, where the veil seems particularly thin. But one day, the veil will be lifted. Earth and heaven will be one. Jesus will be personally present, and every knee will bow at his name. Creation will be renewed. The dead will be raised. And God's new world will at last be in place, full of new prospects and possibilities. May it be so in Colombia, in the United States, and throughout the world.